Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Hoping you are all staying warm and safe uh, on this uh, chilly Sunday. Uh, we praise God for all that he has already done. Uh, we thank God for uh, our Pastor Josh uh, opening us up and leading us in prayer and uh, Sister Nikki for uh, leading us in congregational worship. And at this time, we're just going to uh, look at the word of God together. Amen. Um, so I'm going to direct your attention uh, to the book of James, the first chapter, and we will be looking at verses 19 through 27. Uh, once again, that's the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 to the end of the chapter, uh, twenty twenty-seven. And I will be reading from the ESV version. Your version may uh, read differently, but um, I just encourage you to follow along. Amen. Amen. He begins the reading of God's word. Know this, my beloved brothers, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the, to the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Amen. And that's the reading of God's word, and it is blessed. Um, so on tomorrow, uh, the third Monday of January, we will be celebrating, um, as we know here in the United States, as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, it's the day that we take the time to celebrate and commemorate the life and legacy of Dr. King. Um, but it's something that, especially in recent years, it's been uh, dedicated as a day of service. So rather than taking the time to... <clears throat> relax and chill. Uh, people around our nation are encouraged to go out, find ways to be active in their communities, lend a helping hand, serve those who are in need. Uh, but while it's a good thing for our citizens of our nations to do something nice, oftentimes it's something that is just, just done for a moment. Um, there's no follow-up action. Uh, there's no relationships built. Um, it's something that's not even thought of until the next following year, the next third Monday, 
when the holiday comes back around again. But we, the church, we've been given a different mandate, amen? We are to be actively serving and seeking ways to help others, and not just on or around the holidays. It should be our way of life. Uh, When we read the Gospels, uh, we find our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was always active in serving, always active in seeking out those in need, always active in in giving uh, what the people needed. And likewise, he encouraged his disciples to do the same. And so we, the church, as we are his present-day disciples, uh, we should also be doing the same thing. We should uh, be active in serving and seeking as the Word of God encourages and instructs us to do so. And right then and there lies the important key, that when the Word of God tells us to do something, plain and simple, we should do it. Christians should uh, always look to do and apply the Word of God to their lives. We should be doers of the Word. And that's going to be our main point today, that for to, to glorify God, that we Christians, we must actively do and apply the Word of God in our lives. And we're going to look at that from three main points. Hear the Word, receive the Word, and do the Word. Let us pray. Precious and all-wise God, we just give your name all the praise, all the glory, and all of the honor. Lord, we're just so thankful for another day that you have blessed us to see. And even though, Lord, we are not able to gather in person. We're thankful, Lord, for the opportunity that we could still gather, that even though it's virtual, Lord, we can come together, fellowship with one another, and receive your word. So, precious Lord, even now, uh, I pray that as the word goes forth, Lord, let it not be uh, my thoughts or my opinions, my wants or my desires, but let it be nothing but the truth that is found in your word. Lord, I pray that that I may decrease, let you increase, that you can get all of the glory from what is said, from what is done on this morning. We give your name all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor. In Christ our Savior's name we do pray. Amen. So when we look at the book of James, uh, theologians and scholars say that it was most likely written by the Apostle James, who was the half-brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And right at the top in the first verse, we could see that he writes it to the 12 tribes who were dispersed or under the dispersion. Uh, so most likely he was writing to Jewish Christians that, that were living outside of Jerusalem. Uh, some of you may remember that in the book of Acts, um, around the 8th chapter, uh, that many Jewish Christians uh, were, were dispersed. They, 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 they were scattered uh, because of persecution. Um, and as these Jewish Christians were, were spread about, they were living in foreign lands uh, among different cultures. And uh, when they dispersed, many of these Jewish Christians they ended up in areas that were under, uh, that were Greco-Roman territories, uh, where multiple religions were practiced. Um, and also in the Greco-Roman culture, it was a culture that followed uh, hedonism, 
or the pursuit of pleasure. Uh, so in other words, if it looks good, it feels good, it's all good, go ahead and do it. Um, so here uh, we see that that's a contradictory lifestyle uh, to those that follow Christ. So James, right at the top, right in the first chapter, he is reminding his readers who are living in the midst of those different things, the different religions or the different practices, that they're going to possibly be going through tri trials and struggles that may come to shake their faith. So James writes a very practical letter to encourage his readers to conduct themselves in a way that glorifies their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the book of James, he encourages his audience to not only to maintain their faith, but to live out their lives in a way that puts their faith into action. And while we can, while you read the book and you can see and maybe understand why, why it was relevant to the readers of its time, we the church today can find that that same wisdom is relatable to us today. You see, more often than not, we the church of the day, we are uh, we're, we're, we're scattered in different communities, uh, just like the initial audience of James. Uh, we live in communities where many of us, uh, uh, where many of those around us, rather, do not believe what we believe. Um, they're, they're, especially when you look at popular culture, there are themes and beliefs that we find in popular culture that are, that are often at odds with what we believe in the word of God. So when you take these things into account and we look at the, the verses preceding uh, chapter 19, James deals directly with not only how Christians' faith will be tested, but more importantly, he tells he gives them instruction rather in how they should respond to uh, these 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 challenges to their faith and live a life that is pleasing to God despite these challenges. And that brings us to our first point: hear the word. We'll see this in James chapter one, uh, verses nineteen and twenty. It says, "Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak." slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we can see right off the bat, he, he gets their attention with the, the know this. Um, that attention get, it draws the reader in. It, it reminds me of, of a teacher in the class who is preparing his students for an exam. And he says, hey, if you want to pass this test, this is what you need to know. Uh, James right here, he, he's, he's getting to the, to the meat, to the crux of his message right after warning his readers about the trials and temptations and how they would need to stand on their faith. And we can see that, uh, the, this, that this verse has direct prior, uh, it ties in to the, directly to the prior verses about temptation. Because one of the forms of temptation that many people deal with is pride. Prideful people are often, uh, slow to hear, they refuse to listen, but they love to be heard, and then oftentimes they are quick to uh, anger and they're quick to offend. But we know that we as Christians realize that we should not be walking in pride, we should be walking in humility. It's no longer about us, but it's all about God getting the glory. So when we look at this verse, it's important to look at these exhortations from two views one in relation to others, and then the next in relation to God. 
This quote reminds me of something, though this verse reminds me of a quote that I saw once in a movie called Pulp Fiction. Uh, John Travolta's uh, character, Vincent, he was going to meet his boss's wife, Mia, who was played by Uma Thurman. And in a way for them to go and uh, for them to get to know each other a little better, uh, Mia decided to conduct a mini interview with Vincent. And one of the questions that she asked was this. She says, when in a conversation, do you listen or do you just wait to talk? And then Vincent answered truthfully and he says, uh, even though I can try to do better at listening, I'm trying to do better at listening. I actually just wait to talk. I wait to be heard. And that's something that is prevalent in society as a whole. As a whole, we all want to be heard. Everyone wants to be heard. You go on social media, uh, you find that everyone has an opinion. Everyone has something to say. You turn on our news channels, you go read our newspapers, and what you'll find is not actual reporting of the actual events, but what you'll find is someone's opinions regarding those events. Everyone wants to prove how smart, how wise, how intellectual they are. So rather than being in someone who is an intent listener, all they want to do is actually be heard. We can see that this is something that was very prevalent in the culture that Jewish Christians were escaping from. When they were in Jerusalem, they had to deal many times with the Pharisees and scribes who were just like that. They were prideful. They didn't want to hear what anyone else had to say, but wanted everyone to hear what they had to say. And then if you challenged or disagreed with their thoughts or their opinions, they were quick to get angry. They were quick to be offended. But here James is commanding the Christian audience to do the exact opposite. First, we must be willing to hear what others have to say. We need to hear their heart. We need to hear their hurts. We need to hear their pain. We need to hear their motives. And then in our listening, we need to make sure that we're not so quick to react. But we need to make sure that we and our hearing that we are also careful and thoughtful with our words. Proverbs 10 and 19 says this. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. So being slow to anger is not different than the anger that we hear, that we heard about rather than a few sermons ago. It's not that righteous anger that drives us uh, to action against injustice or evil deeds. But as you look in this verse, it says the anger of man, which is that prideful anger, which is that uh, you, you're saying something that I don't agree with or you're, you're disagreeing with me. So I'm going to get offense. I'm going to be offended. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to I'm going to let this stew in my heart. That's that anger of man. That's that prideful anger that is different from righteous anger, which we which was drives us to action against injustice. So in other words, James is telling us that we need to be born like Jesus himself. Uh, when we read the Gospels, when you look at the Gospels, you see that he was a purposeful listener. You see that he was one who could hear the heart and the pain and intent behind someone's words. So when he spoke, his response was always thoughtful and relevant and wise. We also see that he was one that was slow to anger. The Pharisees would try to use their words to trap 
or provoke Jesus. Satan himself tried to provoke Jesus in the wilderness, but he never allowed himself to lash out with pride. What he always gave what was necessary, whether it was a thoughtful response or whether it was nothing at all, just complete silence, he gave the situation what was needed. So while this has great application with how we are to deal with others, it is also has an even greater application with how we hear and respond to the word of God. Romans 10 and 17 says this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Ecclesiastes 5 and 1 and 2 says this, guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they are evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. So when the Bible is being taught or preached, when, we're, when the, 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 the scripture, the Holy Spirit is illuminating it in our lives, we should be quick to incline our, he, our ear to what is being said. Rather than being quick to respond, just let it soak in. Let us meditate on that word. And if we find the word has uncovered something in our lives, rather than being offended or angry, what we should do is embrace it. Allow that word to do, do something in our lives to, 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 to change us from what we were into something that is even greater, that will glorify our Lord and Savior. And that leads us directly to our next point, that we should receive the word. James 1, 21 says this, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That once again, he starts off, James, he, he, he starts off with that therefore. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, that when you see therefore, the important thing to know is what is it therefore? So James is telling the reader that, that after uh, uh, that, they, that they were hearers and, and after they were, uh, uh, after they were uh, slow to speak and, and after they were uh, slow to anger, they should now look to put away all those filthiness, all those filthy things, and all the rampant wickedness that is in their lives. Paul wrote something similar in Ephesians 4 and 22. He says, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. This filthiness and wickedness is our old way of life. It's that pride. It's the lust. It's those selfish desires. It's those selfish agendas. It's that me attitude. It's all of those things which are in contradiction to living a holy life before a holy God. So we see that James and Paul, 
They encourage us to take off those things like garment, take those things off like dirty clothes, like filthy rags, and put them away. Lay them aside because there's something new, there's something better that is for us. But rather than just replacing it with a new garment, James instructs us to go further and to go deeper. He doesn't tell us to take off this old garment and put on something new, but rather he transitions it to the inner. He says to receive with meekness, that's with all humility, the implanted word of God, the implanted word which is able to save your souls, which is the word of God. You see, there's an old expression that says clothes don't make the man. Then there's another thought that says you can put lipstick on a pig, but all you'll have is a pig that's wearing lipstick. In other words, changing the outside Changing the appearance doesn't change the who and it doesn't change the what. But the change starts from the inside. So if the church is to be a witness, with all humility, with all meekness, we need to receive the word of God in our hearts. And we know that that word, as believers, we know the word is Jesus Christ. John 1, 1 through 3 says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So we as being Christians, we have that word and we have that word implanted in us already. Because of us receiving the good news, the gospel that proclaimed that Jesus Christ is Lord. First uh, Peter 1 and 23, uh, verse 23 puts it like this. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. It's through Jesus Christ and that gospel message that is planted in us like a seed, which saves our souls. First Corinthians 15, 1 and 2 says it like this. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So we are saved now from our sins. We are saved from his wrath. And it's that gospel message that is in us that still continues to have impact and resonate in our lives. In other words, the gospel just does not lead us to salvation, but it also leads us through our salvation. We could see that uh, in Psalms 119 and 11, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So it's that word that we have in our heart that's implanted, implanted like a seed. And it's, it, 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 does, it should be doing a work in us so that when we're going through our challenges, when we're going through things, uh, as, as James was encouraging his reader, things that may come to shake our faith, such as trials and temptations, as we go through the everyday struggles of life, the word of God in us, it is still active and it's still working today. 
Hebrews 4 and 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So this implanted word that is in us, it is active. And as, I, as, as Peter mentioned a few verses, it's a seed. The point of a seed in us is, is for it to, to take root, uh, to, to, to sprout, to blossom, to grow. The, the point of a seed is, is to see a product, or, or a finished product. And uh, when we see that, we, we, could, we, we, we think about the parable of the sower that's in the Gospels, that when um, uh, a sower came and he, and he sowed the seed on different grounds and in different circumstances, and that in all the situations, the seed didn't come to fruit except for one. And that's when it fell into good soil. It produced a crop. Uh, that was 100 times as great. And so we can see that we need to have this seed, this word, that it's not just something that we just hear, but we take it, we, we meditate on it, we bring it, we take it personally, we bring it into our very lives, our very being, we take it into our heart so that it can do something that is great and, and mighty in our lives, not for our benefit, but so that Christ alone can get all of the glory and all of the honor that sprouts forth from that seed. So we bear fruit from, so we can bear fruit from that seed. And when we, the, the way for us to bear fruit from that seed, it's by doing the word. James 1, 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves and this is just uh, uh it's a short verse but it's a powerful verse because james says that you could hear the word but if you're not doing it you're deceiving yourself hearers only are fooling themselves so you can sit under the finest preaching uh you can go to the finest schools and send the finest teachers. Um, they can teach you the, the, to, to the, the Hebrew and the Greek. You can learn to quote scriptures backwards and forwards. But if, the, if you are not actively doing in the word, then James, as James says it, you're deceiving yourselves. You're just hearing and hearing and hearing. And uh, um, as, I, as our old pastor, you say, you're getting fat off the word. But what's the point of getting fat off the word if that word is not being active in your life and thus being active in someone else's life? So James, rather, he says, but be a doer. That doer, when you look at that, be a doer, it's, 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 a, it's, it's something that is active. It's the, the, the verb is in its present tense. Be active. Do the word. Be a doer. So it's great that you may have had past accomplishments. It's great that you may have done all such things and preached great sermons or prayed great prayers or, or you may have uh, took a meal to this person or you may have passed out tracts on this day. But that's all great and fine. But the past is the past. James is commanding his readers to be a doer. Be something right now. Do it. Continue on. Continue to be a doer of God's word. Don't rest on your past laurels, but always continue to be a doer. 
Paul reminded his readers in Philippians chapter 3, 13 that, uh, and 14 this, this, this very familiar passage. He says, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one th- uh, that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So forget what we've done on the past. We need to continue to be actively doing the word of God. And then in the next verses, James gives us a a, a glimpse of being a hearer only and then what it means to be a hearer and a doer. Uh, In verses 23 through 25, he says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So when we come to this point in the passage, this is an awesome time uh, of self-reflection because you see James brings the illustration uh, with the mirror. And he says the hero only looks in a mirror with intent. He didn't just say it was a glance. He says he intently looks into the mirror. But then when he walks away, they forget what they saw. So there was no effect. What was the purpose of the person to intently stare into a a mirror or to just walk away and forget what they saw? If there were any blemishes or any any, uh, areas that may need to be tended to or fixed or corrected, they walked away and they forgot. So those areas that that needed tending to, they went unkept. And so when we look at that illustration of the mirror, the mirror in our lives, it's the word of God. So when we, being doers of the word and not hearers only, when we look at that mirror, when we look at the word of God and we see those blemishes, we see those, those areas that need to be kept or, or groomed or, or, or cleaned up, we see the sin and the areas in our lives that are unpleasing to God, when we look at that mirror, when we look at the word of God, then we should be able to take that word and use it to to fix our lives. Take that word, use it to clean up our lives. Take that word, uh, allow that lie to, to keep, allow that word to keep us. Allow that word to have some sort of effect in our lives. You see, uh, when you look at being a hearer only, we talked about, I mentioned earlier, the parable of, of the sower. Uh, it's in many of the Gospels, in, but in the Gospel of Luke 8, 4-7, it says this. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed. And he sowed, and some fell beside the wayside, and it was trampled underfoot, 
and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Those were all of the ones that were hearers and not doers. The word of God didn't have the effect in their lives. They looked in the mirror and that there was no effect in their life. But a hearer is the next verse. A hearer and a doer, rather, is that next verse. It says, Other seed fell into good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. And as he said these things, he will call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So that's what the, the hearer and the doer. They're taking that word, they're looking in the mirror of the word, they're seeing what 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 they're they're seeing all of the things in their lives that the word can 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 correct or the word can change, and they're allowing the word of God to have effect. And we can see that um, as James goes deeper into this passage, he calls it the law of liberty. Uh, the law of liberty is, is the word of God, and it brings freedom to those who persevere in it. Uh, John eight thirty one through 32 says, uh, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him in him, if you continue in my word, when you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So that word of God, it brings freedom to us. But then he continues on and he says that uh, that those that continue to uh, that, that that those who continue to do and act and not just be hearers, that they will be blessed in their doing. Uh, Romans two. Uh, I'm sorry. Matthew seven and twenty four and twenty five says this. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. So once again, we see the blessing in doing the word is that it is able to keep us. It is able to sustain us against the trials, against the tribulations, against the challenges to our faith, against those things that may come to 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 to, to cause us to to uh, uh, be depressed or, or that cause us to question the word of God will be that thing that causes us to stand against those trials and tribulations. And then in Romans 2 and 13, it says, For it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. We're not justified because of our works alone, but by faith and then doing those works. So you could hear the word, but if you don't have that faith to act upon the word, then hearing it is not doing what it, hearing it does not have the effect that it should in your life. But hearing and doing the word is what is causing your life to be blessed. And then in the final two verses, verses 26 and 27, we see the effect first of being a hearer only. And then two, being a doer of what you hear. In verse 26, 
He says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so we see that effect in verse 26, it's the hearer only. In verse 27, it's the hearer and the doer. The one who hears only, he thinks himself religious. He thinks he has a great, he thinks he's doing something great. He thinks he's a great intellectual thinker, but he's one that can't control his speech. He's like the one that was in verse 19, or the one that we were warned against, or we were, uh, that was opposite of verse 19, rather. Rather than being quick to hear and slow to speak, they're often slow to hear and quick to speak. Their hearts are deceived. Their religion is worthless. The Archaeological Study Bible says the expression of their religion or the expression of their faith is worthless. So even though they may have, have all of this great knowledge and, and, and say things that may sound so wise and great, because they're not doers, it's worthless. The one who hears and receives and does the word of God. Look at that in the next verse. The expression of their religion is counted as pure and undefiled. And we see that in verse 27, it impacts two groups of people. One, it impacts others. But then two, the impact is on that individual themselves. We see that in this verse, it's the powerful combination of works that are caused by faith. We see the works in visiting the orphans and the widows in their affliction. The first group, the others. Orphans and widows during James' lifetime were often viewed as the people who were most in need of help. They were the most vulnerable. There were groups who were often mistreated. They were ignored. They were not cared for. They were taken advantage of. And James says that pure religion is to visit them in their affliction. Visit them in their affliction. So this is not something that's just a momentary thing. It's not a casual thing. But it's something that, that has meaning to visit one in their affliction. It's something that's not just a, a fly-by-night thing, but it's something that, that's, that, that, that shows care and it shows compassion. So likewise, we today, we need to serve those who are in need during their times of distress. We need to uh, uh, build relationships. The term visit with us, visit resonates because it, 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 it shows us that there's a, an attempt to build a relationship. So likewise, we need to be about building relationships with those who are the most vulnerable in our communities. And to do it while they are, are afflicted, it shows that, that we are to show mercy and compassion on others. Rather than being the ones that are quick to speak and, and to try to sum up someone's life in a few moments, 
We need to be quick to hear and, and understand what they're going through so that the word of God can, can, can use us to show mercy and compassion and love and the gospel in their lives. You see, oftentimes people that are the most afflicted is not just what they are going through uh, or not just what they are, are going through naturally. But most of all, the people who are the most afflicted are, what, are, are those people who don't have Jesus Christ in their lives, do not have the gospel, don't know the gospel. They, 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 they're, they're dying in their sins. Those people are afflicted as well. So whether we have something natural that we could, that we could give them, whether it be we could share food and we can, we can help clothe them, uh, we can help feed them. But most of all, we should also be giving out the gospel, the good news, because we can see that it is that, that, that everyone needs, whether you're unsaved or saved, the good news is what is going to keep you and save you. Matthew 25 35 and 36 says this, For I was hungry, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. So as we are doing these things for others, it's as we are, we are doing it as to, to the Lord himself. We should be about serving where service is needed. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Those that are often the, the, uh, the, the central focus of being mistreated, we should run to, to, to help them, to serve them. We should help them get justice. We should help them get what they, we should help tend to their needs and do it as we serve and do it as service unto the Lord. And then the next part, it says to keep oneself unstained from the world, the individual, from the world, the individual, that's the other group. And that's where we see that faith coming into action because we, as believers, we recognize that we cannot keep ourselves unspotted. We cannot keep ourselves blameless for the world, before the world. We can't do this in our own power. Because man, we are sinful. We, and we are sinful. Man is wicked. And it takes the word of God to keep oneself. To live holy before a holy God in a sinful world. It takes faith. It takes saving faith. In Christ Jesus, we are unspotted and we are blameless, not because of the works that we have done, but we are unspotted and we are blameless because of the justification and, and, the, and the glorification and sanctification leading to salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not because of our works, but because of his works and, 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 and faith and believing that he could accomplish and do these works in our lives. So we see the works that are accomplished through the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And we see the impact that that word is having, that it, that it, that it, that it impacts us. And that in, and by impacting us, that it allows us to have an impact on someone else. And in this, 
passage, we see the two great commandments coming into fruition that Jesus Christ admonished us to adhere to. He says that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other, there's no other commandment greater than these. And that's what we see from becoming a doer of the word of God. We see that all of these things come into fruition by being a doer. And that's why he admonishes his church not just to hear only, but we should also do. But then you may ask, what about those who are unsaved? Those who have not yet come to that point. What, what can we glean from these verses? When you look at these verses from 19 through 27, you will see and you will find elements of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is able to save your souls. We see a God that is creator of all, merciful and gracious. When it tells us to be quick to hear and slow to anger, that's just like our God. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness towards us, perfect in all of his ways. And we see that he was that he was slow to anger because in the wrath and because he held back his wrath that in man and their sin and their rejection of God, we deserved wrath. We deserve to be punished, but he held it back because he was slow to anger. But instead, he, he saw that we needed a savior that so that he sent his son, the third person of the Trinity who came to earth through the virgin birth, fully God and fully man, and was the epitome of a doer of the word of God because he was the living and is the living word of God. He served those who were in need. He gave hope to those that were hopeless. And he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He was the one that kept himself unspotted from the world. And because he was without sin, he gave himself to be a perfect sacrifice by the death on the cross to atone for our sins. And on the third day, he rose with all power, conquering the sin and the death of the grave. And because of that, you could receive him. You could, he could be that implanted word in you. If you repent of your sins and you believe with saving faith that Jesus, the son of God, yes, he did die for my sins. Yes, God did raise him from the grave. And I trust that he is able to save me from my current condition. I could receive salvation right now. Romans 10, 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So Christian, I encourage you, don't just be a hearer, but be active 
and doing the word of God. Because you will see that it gives God glory because it increases us in our maturity. It does a work in our lives that glorifies him. And then likewise, it does a, a work. It, it affects others by the service and the work that we render. So on tomorrow, I know in the D.C. area, they, they're saying we may still be recovering from snow, but some of you may still have an opportunity to serve. And if you do, by all means, please do that. That's wonderful and great. But don't let uh, MLK Day be the end of your service. As you do the word and apply it in your life, let that application continue to spread outward to others, to those that are in need, to those that need the hope, the love, the grace and mercy, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Precious and all wise God, we give your name all the praise, all the glory and all the honor. And Lord, once again, we just thank you for your word. Lord, you were the you were the epitome of a doer, Lord. You showed us the way. So Lord, we want to be more like you. Lord, we don't want to just hear the word and become spiritually fat or hear the word so that we could be great apologists or great theologians, Lord, but we want to hear the word so that we could take that word and apply it in our lives. We want to take that word and, and, and be active with it, Lord, because we see your gospel message was a, a message of action. And likewise, Lord, we want to be active Christians and believers. So, Lord, we pray that you will continue to work on our hearts, Lord, that we allow the word to be that mirror that we could examine ourselves and continually look to see the areas that we're, where we're trusting in you and the areas where we're clinging to our own desires or we're clinging to our own self or we're clinging to our own opinions and allow the word of God to have full effect in our lives. And then, Lord, we pray that as the word is doing a mighty work in us, Likewise, Lord, let that the, the, the word continue to extend through us, Lord, so that it can have an effect on those around us. Those in Ward 8, those in Ward 7, uh, those throughout the city, those uh, throughout the Washington, D.C. metropolitan region, and even abroad, Lord. Family members and friends and, and, and places throughout the country missions and missionaries throughout the, the world, Lord, that the word can continue to have effect through us so that nations, so that men, women, and children will be blessed. We give your name all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.